Colossians chapter 3. The book of Colossians in chapter 3. Verse 1. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. The New King James Version, it says, If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. We read the same verse from the New Living Translation, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. It's written, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. This is not just saying that Christ has risen and He's seated there at the right hand of the Father. That's not all it's saying. The whole purpose is for us to be drawn to that reality and to have that as a living, active principle and action in our day-to-day choices, in the way we think that if you are attached to Christ, who no longer is on the earth. But he has ascended above, above, far above all principality and power. He's actually in the very place that you and I are going to. We're headed to heaven. And the sooner we get that grasp that I'm not a mortal like every other mortal on this earth, but I have been raised to a new life. That life is hidden with Christ in God, but it's supposed to be manifested through my choices and my thinking patterns. Everything that has to do with my will. It's a glorious truth that I can not only be seated with Christ in the heavenly realms as a truth, but because I belong to Him, my whole life choices and behavior is foreign to the way the world operates. Everything is different. It's when the believer has a struggle with living in union with Christ and letting Him be the driving force in everything we think, act, and say, everything we do, that the confusion comes in and the struggle becomes intense. And we wonder, how am I supposed to live anyway? Because I have these desires pulling at me. And yet God says otherwise in the Word. Why is this struggle? The struggle to live holy and the struggle to live in an unholy way. The world is full of unholiness. It's idolatrous. It's full of all kinds of vices, these evil things. And the Christian is living in the world as a light in a crooked and perverse nation or generation. We're actually up against the grain. 
Christ is not of this world. And when we were united with Christ, we are no longer part of this world either. There will be persecutions, tribulations, pain, losing our relationships along the path of the cross. But the Lord said this, if you were out of this world, the world would love its own. You have no problem. But because you are not of this world, tribulations will come. Persecutions will come. There will be a tugging at your heart and your will will appear to be torn in two because you are growing in the faith. There's a maturity. There's an understanding that I really do belong to Jesus exclusively. It's not Jesus and other loves. It's Jesus, the first and supreme love of my life. That love will cause us to know how to use wisdom to redeem the time that God has given us in this world. What does it mean to redeem the time? It's to take back every place that my time that God has given me has been wasted, wrongly channeled, to be involved in things that actually destroy the soul. God says now claim it and use your time and energy to what direction? To the place where I am seated now and where I am headed in my spiritual life. My body, your bodies, are not with Christ, obviously. We're here. Our minds are supposed to be with Christ. Our souls, our spirits, our wills are supposed to be in Christ, with Christ. Because it is God that comes into us to give us this whole revelation. Let's continue to read Colossians chapter 3, again with verse 1. Since you have been raised to new life in Christ, or with Christ, set your sights, your affections, your desires on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. He's in a place of honor. But you know where he is? He is at a place where there's no higher throne. He is ruling the entire universe, holding every atom together, every world together, every human being together. It's because of the power of His Word is that powerful. When a believer knows that He's supremely in control, and that He died for us to take us out of darkness and uncleanness, everything that is chaotic, we're supposed to take advantage of that and say, Lord, help me to grow, to grasp what this inheritance is that I have in you. Help me, oh God, not to forfeit this high calling you've given me. I want to be seen where a certain image comes out when people look at me. That image is the image of the great I am. You'll see that in chapter 4. The image that's supposed to be seen in this world and by every human being, every angel in heaven, and every demon from hell, including Satan. The image that's supposed to be brought up when someone looks at me or you, because I'm united with Christ, 
Christ and I'm seated with Him in the heavenly realms. And I'm headed there. My whole trajectory of life has changed. It's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Christ. So everything, 100%, not 99 even. Not even 99.9. I have a little wiggle room for me to do what I'd like to do. My affections, my desires, everything I want is bound up in Jesus. So there should be a single stream of operation, which is God's way, God's mannerisms, God's call on my life. Everything is Christ. But there is a battle going on. There's the image of God who is the great I am. We have the image of the great I am imprinted into our hearts. But there's another image that's at war with that image. That image is called self-image. Self-image. The hours that we think about how we look to other people. How we even look to ourselves and the approval ratings that we thrive on needs to be crucified at the cross. Only then can I represent the image of the great I am. Only then can His Spirit work through me and He will minister life to everyone who sees. We must always remember we either minister life or we minister death. There's no middle ground. When I sow into myself image and I'm obsessed with that, I'm actually ministering death because that's all that comes from the flesh. Amen? Nothing good comes from the flesh. And when we think about the flesh, it's not the body per se, but that old nature that seeks to look good and feel good and wants to just thrive on other people's compliments. Or get heavily discouraged and worn out by other people's criticisms. If we are living for Jesus, none of that ultimately matters. Amen? It shouldn't matter. We are controlled by the Holy Spirit. When there is a lack of knowledge about that truth, when there's a lack of surrender, the Christian life becomes ugly. It becomes a confused representation of the world. And ourselves, we have a peace. But what happens is there's a pretense going on. There's a peddling of trying to live up to something that I really don't like. That's the heart of the issue. We have to look at our hearts and see whether we really love the Lord or not. And if we claim to love God, whether we love Him the way He loves us. Because that's what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives. When the Spirit of God takes over, we're able to think like Jesus. The way the Lord said in John chapter 4, my food, everything I thrive on, the thing that makes me full and satisfied and meets all of my needs, is to do the will of God who sent me and to complete or thoroughly execute His mission. Jesus said, it's not a boring thing. It's not a difficult thing where I have to have my teeth pulled as it were to try to stay on course, stay on course, stay on course. But I run to my father because that's what I'm living for. He said, you know why my father hears me? Because I always do the things that please my father. Can we do that? 
Can we say truthfully, I always do the things that please my Father. If that seems somewhat of a too high of a standard, too great of an ideal, or it's just that, an ideal, and I will try my best to live up to it, I want to tell you this afternoon, according to God's holy word, it's not my desire to try to conform, but it should be my will to conform according to God's word. Because when the Holy Spirit comes, He's a spirit of power. He has the power that He's invested into our lives to destroy every pull of the world and every thinking pattern, thought pattern of the devil. We're able to live above the world. It's not enough to say, I'm in the world, not of it. I have to go further and say, I'm above the world. Amen? I'm living above every pull, every covetous desire, every immoral desire, every desire to please me. It's directly in opposition to the desire of Christ. They don't go along. They don't get along. The spirit wants one thing, and the flesh says, I'll do it this way. We have the ability, we have the calling of God to put to death every desire of the flesh. It's when we don't grasp this, our position in Christ, how our desires should be surrendered to Christ, that we have this big struggle that seems to be so commonplace in the Christian community. It's a sad witness because when a Christian struggles with moral filth, when a Christian struggles with trying to keep back that great move like a horse, which will just go and burst up, even if people get hurt, it has to be held in with a bit and a bridle to pull back through the means of pain. God says in His Word, don't you be like that. Don't wait for pain to come before you let me do the glorious work I want to do in your life. So you can shine. We hear a lot of things these days about shining for Christ, revival, about being all out for Jesus. And usually what that means is for most people to go outside to the community and evangelize, to go and do good works, to help the poor, the underprivileged. Those are good things, but those are secondary. Those good deeds that you do for your relatives, for your brothers and sisters in the household of faith, for strangers, all of those are important. It's part of the good works. However, if I have not ripped out of my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, every affection that comes from this world, if I haven't died to my need to look good at self-image, I'm actually going to serve God with two masters. And we know we can't serve God that way. But how does it happen? Why does it happen? Because God says, let it continue until the end. There'll be wheat and there'll be chaff. The two don't mix. But God says, leave it alone for now. In the end, the net that brought in the fish will be inspected for good fish and bad fish. And they'll be separated in the end. For us, we have the glory 
is it good news? That the stream that comes from heaven, a pure stream, can be received 100%. It's like the stream that we get in our phones, on our phones, or through the internet. If the reception is 100% unclogged, we have the benefit of getting 100% of what's being streamed to us. But if there's a problem with that, I can say I received it, but I really didn't receive it. I got bits and pieces where I have a whole lot of self in the world still there. So the impact, the testimony is by default very, very confused. If you're raised with Christ, every single one of your person has been raised with Christ. God says on the one hand in the book of Ephesians that you are to believe and know you're already seated with Him. How? In our affections, in our minds, but we're also to work towards that. If I take Christianity and say, He's done it for me, and this is what He declares, and I declare all day long what God has done, but I don't cooperate with Him, which means crucifixion of the self-image in exchange for the God image or the I am image, God, the great I am, to come through me. You can know in your own hearts, we can all know, when you follow the will of God, desiring 100% that His image will glow through you to the world, you will not be anxious to consider people's opinions about you, about your ministry, you'll be completely abandoned like Jesus was, like the Apostle Paul. He said, I'm determined not to know anything among you except for one thing, Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That's where the power and life comes from, the cross. But I can't jump to the glory without going thoroughly to the cross. Imagine if the Lord was partially crucified, Imagine if He partially gave His blood, we would not be saved. He gave everything so that we could have life. It took everything to take us back to God. If we're to follow Christ, we have to say the same thing. Lord, you have all of me. And before I eat another food, item or drink, I will consider my God you are the one who's given me the ability to get this food, even if it's one crumb of a bread. It's God's grace because many people in the world don't even have that. Many people have a whole loaf of bread, but they don't have the capacity to eat even a part of it. How thankful we are to be of God, to God. And say, Lord, I want to honor you that before I take a bite of another food item, before I drink even a cup of water, even a drop, I know that it's because of you, Lord, that I'm able to do this. Hallelujah. It's because of God. We ought to give Him that supreme place in our lives. When we wake up in the morning, the first thought should be Jesus about everything else. If it's not there, and immediately I wake up and I think about the news, think about my program for the day, or even what the devil brings in your waking moment as we've experienced. 
for the time. A battle right from the moment that you open your eyes. The moment you're aware that you're awake, the enemy can come to do what? Distract you from the living God who alone holds your life together. The first waking moment, the first thing you think about when you think about food and water or whatever drink, should be, thank you, my great and loving Savior. That's how you train yourself. Because I can't go from point A all the way to point Z without going to the intermediate points. I can't say, well, I understand. I heard Colossians chapter 3 verse 1. And the message is that I should seek those things where Christ is at the right hand of God. What does that mean? Someone said, well, it's the things that have to do with the fruit of the Spirit. Surely that's a matter. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit in heaven, absolutely. Love, peace, joy, patience, and all those virtues, fruit of the Spirit. That's in the presence of God, yes. But there's something else. It's a mind to do the will of the Father. It's a life that is honorable to give my appetite, my affections, my goal, my clothing, my food, everything in thanksgiving to God that He will touch it and sanctify it and use it for His glorious purposes. That's what it means to seek those things that are God. Everything I do, I have to understand that there's a choice. Self-image and the image of God and the two can never mix. Only two things. Just like in the Christian life, it's written. There's the flesh and the spirit. If we are going to honor the Lord, live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, way before I think about the world and the world's needs, we heard about evangelism last week, I have to be one who really loves God, who is able to discern how the self-image through the help of the devil will try to protrude its ugly head in everything I do, say, and present. Everything. There's a competition. For the self to rise up like Lucifer and battle with God for that first place in our hearts. We have to recognize that by letting the word come unhindered into our hearts and say, Lord, I'm all for you. God, I can honestly say, there's not one thing I desire. You can look at my portfolio, look into my closet, look into all the chambers of my heart. God, there is nothing between me and you. I love you and you alone. Father, if I am to appear before you today, I know in the court of heaven there will be a testimony and God sees everything. This child has died to himself or son. The child of mine is 100% about me. Backtrack a moment. A, before we get to Z, in all the intermediary steps, I have to train myself. First waking moment, not out of a ritualistic manner, but with a passion that when I wake up, when I arise, when I arise, let me see you, Jesus. He's the one I want to see. When I awake, the psalmist says, I will be satisfied with your likeness. 
God's beauty and His glory should be my passion before I go to bed, before I close my eyes, when I wake up. My passion, my desire is to be with Jesus. Can I say that's true of me? Can you say that? If it's not, know this for sure. You're not living a Christian life that's not up there, quote-unquote. It's not that you're living a Christian life where you just haven't got to the apostolic stage, but you're living a Christian life if your first passion when you wake up is not Jesus and seeking to commune with Him. You're living a substandard, abnormal, quote-unquote, Christian life. Because... We're seated together with Him in heavenly places. That means I look for Him. I desire Him. He's right there. It's one thing to say God is everywhere and He's beside me through all of my thick and thin tribulations. Many people say that. Many Christians say that. But we need to be able to say God is right before me like David. I accept the Lord always before me. Because He's at my right hand, I should not be moved. There's something that I have to do to be passionate about God. You start with it when you wake up. Then when you do that thing that all of us need to do, we love to do, many of us eat. We need to eat. Many of us love to eat. We have to enjoy what God has given. Not eat with guilt. Provided you know what you're putting into that temple. Many, many healthy things we can eat, but the point is, not the selection of the food this afternoon, but to honor God and thank Him before you let your taste buds indulge in what you have in front of If I don't train myself with these basic practices, how can I ever live for God and even think that I'm going to come before God one day and say, Lord, I have truly crucified the flesh. These are the basic things when you get something in the mail. When you finish a task, it may be cleaning your house. It may be working on a project at work. Do you say, oh, I did a great job and congratulate others and have them congratulate you all. Do you say, Lord, thank you. If it weren't for you, I can do nothing. See, we have that saying from the Bible where the Lord Jesus said, Apart from me, you can do nothing. We grasp that to an extent. But the full understanding will only be displayed if I can put it into action with my day to day choices, my activities. When you enjoy a beautiful sunset, when you have a relief from a time of intense tribulation, we shouldn't run to do that the world, run to seek that distraction and that good time to try to make up for the bad time we just went through. We should say, Lord, through every tribulation, you are bringing me through. And you know what else? Refining me because my connection with God, my concern is always God's image. The image of Christ in my soul to stick with me and to grow. So, in a daily activity, something that we all experience, waking up in the morning, do I turn to God immediately and say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I love you. 
How many of us can say, Lord, thank you, but not necessarily, Lord, I love you? Because you know why? If the self is intact, even saying, I love you, if the Spirit of God has convicted us, will be difficult. If we're truthful, because we have a lot of other loves. But if I come to that point where no other love competes with the love of God, and that's the competition. Self, self-love, love for other things, even other people competing with love for God. To be free, when you want to look at the model of a Christian life, don't look at people before you look at the Word of God. When you want to follow a role model, make sure that person is following what the scriptures say, following Christ. If you want to follow Christ, take a good look at Jesus, the way he acted, the way he spoke, every detail, study that, because that's for you to imitate. Secondly, you look at someone like the Apostle Paul, who said, I'm actually imitating Christ. He was so confident. He was a man totally surrendered to God. So that he's able to say several times in the New Testament, this man who gave us much of the New Testament by the Spirit of God. He was able to say several times in this name public. It's not in a corner somewhere. Timothy, you can imitate me, but don't make this public because I also fall sometimes. It's made public for all eternity. God saw what he said. And he endorsed Paul. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Look at the pattern of my life and ministry, Timothy, Titus, and everybody. This man who was rather uh, inconspicuous figure, physically speaking, in terms of what people would admire. He wasn't all that big. In fact, people looked at him and they actually thought little of him because he was little. But he was a dominating force in the sight of God because he was totally surrendered to Christ. And he said, look at the things I say, the way I pray, the way I do ministry. If you want to see how ministry is supposed to be done, Look at the scriptures. Look at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what the Apostle Paul did. Because the mind was set on God 24-7. Can you not do that? We're actually commanded to do that. We are commanded to volitionally set and turn that heart. That's always looking down, looking down, looking down, looking down. And say, if I have to cut social media because there's a big problem here, I have somehow been drawn, even though I wanted to do a good thing, with the self-image monster coming and calling to my attention. We have to do whatever it takes to make sure we're about the Father's business, no matter what business you're engaging, that engages. Everything. The Bible says in Colossians, make the most of every opportunity. What do you suppose he's speaking about? Is it making the most of every opportunity to form a network so you can have some help when you need it? 
Or you can combine with people to make your business go bigger. Is it talking about opportunity so that you can appear better to more people? He's talking about the opportunity for the gospel to go through you and I, right to the hearts of every person we meet. Everyone. We think about it in a practical way. Is it true that everyone that I meet, suppose you're speaking to your boss, and there's a deadline, and I supposed to come there, and he's giving me the instructions, and the team leader of the project committee is there, every five seconds, and I say, turn to Christ, turn to Christ. No, obviously not. But, as I assess who I have interactions with, whether the boss, colleagues, or clients, or strangers, family, I have to know how to get the gospel to them. And begin to pray with a passion, Lord, this connection is so that I can give you to them. But do you know, Christians, when we're caught up with that self-image, there's a competition with God's image, truth be told. We begin to try to take care of our matters first. And then throw God in there and mix and seek to be justified. God, I did you well. I dropped your name, Lord. And the rest is up to you. That's not passion. That's deception. We need to go and say, Lord, help me to have a passion for you and I see it together with you. You see, it's also Christ training to look at the Word of God and say, Lord, I'm not coming to the Word with any preconceived notion. There's a problem we want to find out of the Scripture of God. Everything you read in the Word of God, everything you hear, there is a default mechanism for every believer. You know what that is? It's an automatic filtration of what we read with what we've heard from other Christians and Christian leaders. If I can separate myself from that, especially when I know the majority, the status quo, they're not walking with God. They're impotent because People, when they look at them, they don't have a desire to be holy. It's more about a Christian is a person that's supposed to be nice. He's supposed to forgive you. You're supposed to be able to get one over on him or her and not face any negative repercussions. That's what a Christian is, a kind of pushover, person you can step on. And uh, it's noble. I think I can do that. I don't know if I want to, but that's Christianity. It should be a holy life where people are able to recognize I'm an enemy of God. And I see a Savior standing waiting to redeem me. I have no time to lose. I need to surrender that. If that's not coming out of your life in my life, I don't know what the scripture teaches me. I don't know the power of God. I need to be able to read the word of God and volitionally put away everything that I've heard Every filter that comes automatically, oh, connect this with what I've heard, what I've seen in other Christians. Unless you know, what you've heard is right on point about living a godly life. And the preeminence of that teaching is that Christ must be visible and manifest. Not hidden. You see, the Bible says our lives are hidden with Christ in God. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse 3. For you are dead. 
and your life is headed or headed for Christ and God. That's the positional and full manifestation that God says when you see Him one day, when He comes back, everything will be on you. You and I will be dazzling with glory that the whole universe will see. That part is hidden right now. That full manifestation part. What should not be hidden is Christ in you, the hope of glory, being preached and represented to God to people and demons all the time. Christ should be up, front, and center. We need to recognize what it's fear. Fear that I may lose my advantages or benefits if I say something about Jesus now. You need to know that's the voice of Satan. Unless you shut that voice and go ahead and say, Are you born again? Do you know the love of Jesus? Do you know there's someone that can help you from the inside out? He can change you. He died on the cross for you. When you know that something's making you feel like it's not the good time, it's not right. More often than not, the voice of the devil. We need to be led by the Spirit. Also, when you are on a project, when you meet a neighbor, or you meet a colleague, or a stranger, you can self-check, do a self-check. Who am I wanting to present at this first meeting? Who am I really wanting them to see in my interaction and transaction? Transactions, even transactions that seem to be so routine. As I shared, even buying an instrument online with a stranger in Indiana or wherever. In the course of your transaction, even in the name of ministry, it's not that well, I'm on God's business because after all, I'm negotiating a deal to buy an instrument or some item we need to get the message out for God. It's God's business. Passion for Christ will make you wonder and feel a burden whether the person on the other end of the telephone line knows Christ because if not, they're headed for hell. What are you going to do about it? That passion will drive you to seek God's Spirit and His will to the course of the conversation, right at the beginning, in the middle, or the end. I need, Lord, to give them you. That's how you know if Christ is truly your Lord, if He's truly the love of your life, the first love, and whether He's up and front and center in everything you do. Or whether that self-image is there, there's a competition to struggle. Well, I think I should speak, but no, not now, because they didn't think I'm weird. I think I should say something, maybe the deal will fall through and it won't happen for me. I'll wait until everything's fine. That'll show you right there what you're really about. If you be risen with Christ, seek those things which you are above. What's that about? Not only love, peace, and joy, and righteousness, but the honor that's accorded to God, that should be accorded to God. The God, I'm living for you. Therefore, I put to death some. And this chapter enumerates the various things that have to do with what? Immorality, covetousness, greediness, wanting money, wanting power, manipulating people. These are all demonic things that work for the flesh. God says, put an end to that. Because you can't live for Christ if you still have that active. But I want to say something else by the Spirit of God. As I was meditating on this coming year, 
It's not simply, let's turn to first verse 5. Put to death therefore your members which are on earth, the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection or impurity, evil desires. Don't be greedy. Because a greedy person is an idolater. It's like him having a statue, or a lady having a statue, and kissing it, saying, You're my God. God says, If you're greedy, and you're wanting to satisfy yourself and not God's heart and other people's needs, you are an idolater. He says, Put away these things. All these things will destroy you and me and other people. But it is the furthest step that we want to look at. That is, Guilt by association. We are in the world, but not of it. The apostle says by the Spirit of God, you are having transactions with the world. You can't simply stop communicating with your neighbors. Or more so on your job with people who are not Christians. He says, no, no, no. But then you have to leave the world physically, but God has left you here to be a bright light to help But you're not of it. Therefore, it's first and foremost the responsibility of those who would seek with all the hearts the things that are called to let God's Spirit work in them and represent them properly. The first part of business is to get rid of every immorality in my life and your life if it's there. Every Every desire to go along with the body's desires. The Bible talks about giving one's mind over to the sensuality that's from the devil. That when that sensuality calls you and knocks at the door, even by stimulation in the body sometimes, that your mind is supposed to fight against it and put it to death right there. If we go with it with our mind, our spirit will be drawn to it. The entire person will be following the devil at the point. That pathway leads to hell. Make no mistake about it. No one can claim to be a Christian and say, I love God, I do thank God, I know God made me. I don't believe in evolution, it doesn't make any sense, I'm not a monkey. But God made me. And I do love God. I don't worship other gods and other religions. But if you worship your body, and if you worship the sensual desires, God says, you're an idolater, you don't worship me. No matter what you say. But if I want to be truthful, I have to say, Lord, this that you put in the Holy Word is for me to read and understand. That I cannot have this in my life and expect to go to heaven. The alternative is a burning, eternal life. Where there's weeping, gnashing of teeth, the Word never dies, and the fire never gets to die. It's a hard place. We have to come to this immorality, this fornication, this desire that is greedy, purity. But as I said, after that is taken care of, we need to look at what things are still there like an octopus with its tentacles, reaching out from a distance, as it were, the devil using people. And things and activities, and often social media, often your business partnerships, your friends. Oh, I'm a Christian, and they know my standard. Do they? 
And how come you try to run them out of the death field? When they try to push on you, they're built. That is opposing God's will. You say, well, I don't do that. I don't say, well, this is what you're listening to, except your music. Bring it on, I'll play it in my CD player. I don't do that. You don't have to do that to be a partner with that. It can come from a distance by you incorporating that ever so slightly. But you see, you don't want to lose friends. And so you will play it smart. I can juggle the world of God. And what I'll do is just not say anything. In fact, I'll even promote it. I don't listen to it. I was just uh, on social media. Rarely on that, but sometimes God takes me to it. And uh, there's a ministry leader that's going through a very hard time with her son. And what's happened is that some critical situations happening and she said this prayer. But as I kind of went back, we have met her before in her ministry activities in Facebook. The sad thing is, she has everything of the world as a ministry leader with her family. Secular concerts, secular movies, everything of the world. That's not what we should be like. We need to know that God says it's not enough for you not to have it in your house. Don't be neutral to that. Know that it's the devil with his tentacles trying to make you to be a good guy or a good gal. One who is uh, very friendly and never offensive. But the Lord said the truth will offend. The Lord said, I have come not to bring peace, but a sword to set a man against his family. This is what Jesus said. At his birth, the announcement on that countryside where the shepherds were, with angels and innumerable company in all of the sky, glorious decisions of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But that peace can only come if the sword comes to separate us from that which is anti-God and anti-Christian, you see? We have to look at our lives and see how much intact that self-worship is really there. Because I love to please men. I wish I could please men and please God. And I'm trying hard to find a way to do that all the time. That is spiritually fatalistic to do that. You will die spiritually. But we need to know what is in the world is filthy in the sight of God. Jesus said this, that which is highly esteemed in the sight of man is an abomination before God. That's how God sees it. And as I just investigated and looked at those bad names that this ministry leader was going to with her family and her husband and everyone, I just needed to see a few things that God wanted me to see. Not just judge and condemn. Who am I? Who are you? But before God, we have to give an account. Each of us. But God will show us to show the state of the church and why Revival is not happening as much as it should. There's a compromise. 
And as I looked at this band and these bands, not only did I not see anything about Christ, not surprisingly, I saw everything in the world. Songs with the words of dark and uh, love with a different definition altogether, all that produces death. What business does a believer have with death from the world? If you and I are seated together in Christ in heavenly places, if we are to seek those things which are above, we need to watch out for everything that has to do with self. And not curtail a little bit and say, well, I've got it on a leash. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 5, put it to death. Put it to death. So, fornication at the basic stage of level is a person giving his or her body over to sexual immorality. That has got to go if we're going to go ahead. You can't leave it. But fornication is also watching TV shows and having conversations and deceiving oneself to say, I don't do that anymore, it's too risky. People are getting diseases and uh, I really want to do it right now. And so I won't physically do that, but I will entertain conversations and TV shows with allusions to that. Everything that has to do with that, we need to put that to death too. This is what the Bible talks about, that holiness is a standard, not according to my adaptation of God's holiness, but God says in 1 Peter, you be holy the way I am holy. That's what God says. That's where Christ is. The honor that comes to God, we need to ask ourselves, are we willing and ready to say, Lord, perhaps I need to revisit my closet, revisit my friendships, revisit my conversation to see whether Christ and God's image is really coming out, the image of the great man, or is the self still in fact? The difference will not only be the impact you have on others, it can also mean your own eternal destiny. That's right, because every time we are partners with the flesh, anything to do with the world, know this, of a surety of a certain you are changing your direction away from God little by little or lot by lot. And then when everything caves in, we begin to question God, God, where are you? Why am I so feeling lost, God? Why do I, why do I feel so down? And why do I feel like there's no hope? And then text or shoot off an Instagram or whatever it is they use. To 500 Christians say, pray for me because I'm feeling really lucky today. That's because the self has been crucified. Because when something comes against your soul, you have the discernment and the vengefulness against that evil and run to Christ. We are too much community oriented horizontally before we are. Vertically God-oriented. That's the problem. But when I hear this message from Colossians 3, if I love God, and the first thing I do when I wake up, I say, Lord, I love you. 
and take some moments that are quality minutes and say, Lord, how you protect me through the night. It's not just when we get together corporately that we have this kind of protocol in the morning. Thank you for keeping me in the night watches. You and I need to do it privately before God if we really love Him. Too much of the Christian religion is public. In the sense of it is a show internally before I eat. Sometimes I forget to thank God. Maybe we will say that. Maybe we forget all the time. Or maybe we just do it to say grace and yeah, we did it. Do I really thank God from my heart? As the Bible says in Corinthians, do everything, including eating and drinking, to the glory of God. Lord, I thank you for the food that you've given me. Lord, I thank you for the ability that I'm able to. Oh God, function that I can eat this food. I've heard too much of people who can't eat, even though they have everything. Oh my God. Thank you, Lord. And Father, the energy that I get from this food and the enjoyment, God wants us to enjoy food. It's a blessing. But the energy and enjoyment, my God, may it cause me to be ever more thankful and represent you better. The energy that I get from it, let me run for the Lord, not metaphorically, but actually, by doing what? Spending more time with Him and getting the word out about His love to everybody. Have you ever made that connection? Why then would the Apostle and the Holy Spirit write, do all for the glory of God, including eating and drinking? To give thanks from the heart. We've heard about this word passion. Passion is an all-out desire. Except when somebody gets married, they just got married to the love of their life, his or her life. That passion will drive everything. Where I'm seeking to make that person happy. And I'm seeking to adjust whatever I need to because my object, the object of my affection, I should say, is their happiness. Everything surrounds and is about that person. That's the degree to which, at least, we should love Jesus. As I'm driving, to train myself to thank God more often. And be careful of that ugly self to connect the thanksgiving with asking for more and more and more without really having a heart to use what God gives me expressly for His glory and for His kingdom. Everything, everything. If you put on makeup, let it be to the glory of God. If you get a haircut, let it be to the glory of God. Amen? Because we are for God and He's for us. That mindset is so important. Otherwise, we must know we have missed the Bible link. Our religion will be just superficial. And the impact on this world will be people looking at us and saying, Oh, I like you, Jesus, because He can clothe me and feed me and help me when I'm lonely. I like that. But the Jesus that comes into the home with a vengeance against the enemy, and every DVD collection is taken care of as if a world would gain. Scattered and destroyed that has nothing to do with God. That's the real Jesus. The one who brings a sword to cut away everything that is error and untruthful in my life. 
everything that is worldly. The Jesus that comes and takes control of my finances because it belongs to Him. Instead of saying, well, this belongs to God, and this belongs to me, and let's talk about it, husband, wife, family, about how we're going to spend the vacation and the rest of our time. Instead of saying, let's pray to the Master about how this vacation will go, how we're going to spend our money, where we're going to go. I can guarantee you that Minister I spoke of, her heart is not in the right place, and I'm not the judge. It's self-evident from the Word of God. But the question is, for you and for me, am I in the right place? Are you in the right place with God? Are you guilty of doing things that God says is category one, primary, root level? Get rid of immorality in your life. Everything that has to do with it. Immorality in your body, in your mind, and paraphernalia in your house. Destroy it if you won't be destroyed by the devil. And take it to hell and destroy it by God. Jesus says, don't fear people. Those who can kill your body, because why? The implication is, you're living for the truth. But Jesus said, rather fear him, who after he destroys the body, will destroy the body and soul in hell. Jesus said that. There are many things the Lord said that the Christian community on social media, on Sunday mornings, afternoons, or whatever they get preaching, conveniently has sidestepped and put and filed away for a better time. But the time is now to take the whole counsel of God and say, Lord, I have been unfaithful to you. My loyalty has been divided. If the truth be told, I don't want it anymore, Lord. Lord, I want to love you with a passion, my God. If the Apostle Paul, just like Elijah, were people whose attention and energy were vied for, competed for by the flesh of the world, and they were able to shut it down by the power of the Spirit. And I can do it. I must do it. Anything you do, anything you represent, make sure you give glory to God. That is first. Then, and only then, can you say, Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. It's true in my life. Otherwise, if I read the Word of God, and I claim to understand the Scripture, I can even write a paper on it, publish a sermon on it, preach on it, it's no use before God. Unless it becomes part of my life, and then the transformation. Amen? The Word has to transform me by the renewing of my if you then are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. What a thrill to say, God, every step I take today, every transaction, every relationship, every fellowship, every event by proxy that I'm associated with, let it be you. Let it be you. And if there's something that comes like an octopus central ever so slightly to get a hold on my attention or put a, a, a taint on my representation project, I'm going to shoot it down. has no place in my life. Don't have anything to do with secular music. Don't have 
anything to do with secular novels, anything to do with secular media, unless God specifically has shown you that it's going to be used in my kingdom while exposing the error to draw people out of it. Because if not, you are what they used to call a worldly man. A person who really loves the world, not God, no matter what you say. But it's such a joy, it's such a thrill to graduate from a baby stage of carnality, having these battles all the time. Should I sin? Should I not sin? Should I offend this person? Not offend them? It'll go on to, Lord, my greatest joy is to never offend you, no matter who else I offend. Hallelujah. I want to please you, Father. You did everything for me on the cross. How can I not please you? I love you. Will they call you a fanatic? They may, but so be it. And you know where to come from first? From other Christians. Quote unquote. Some of the first people that will call you holier than thou, fanatic, and too critical, judgmental, and harsh, divisive, will be the people who are following the devil in the church while they're in the church. They say, this is not unity. Exactly, that's what the Lord said. It is a sword to separate the truth from error. To separate the weak from the chaff. We need to know the Word and love the Word. Be passionate about the Word of God. Then our lives will be well-pleasing to God. And then those who God is going to save, they're going to see a very bright, unmistakable clarity in the light of God in your life and my life. Because, you know why it's important? Not simply to fit into a category of people who really are passionate about God and serve God. You can save people from spiritual and physical death. That's how deadly it is. Let me give you a case of point. Another ministry leader, some years ago we saw. Physical ministry in New York City. He's posting on social media. My boy is great. I love him. He had just come off of this drug rehab program. And I couldn't be prouder of him. Any prouder. And what does that boy have in his t-shirt and his Facebook posting? Demonic rock bands. What difference is that? To be weaned off, taken away from some substance, but the soul is in bondage to the devil? And what image are we portraying to the world and to the Christian community? I guarantee you, they will go back into it unless they understand you cannot mix the flesh with the devil, that is, mix the flesh with the spirit because the flesh is of the devil. You can't seek to get self-image and good feelings and lower your standard of disturbing it is to see believers and ministry leaders continually lower the standard of Christ. How blasphemy to accommodate more people. That's not what the church is called to do. We're called to be a city on a hill and people want to come, they should come up. We should not go down to the moral impurity. Only then can they know the redeeming, saving, transforming power of God and be on their way to heaven. Too often we've heard people who, by association, you see that father, who's a ministry leader, and the other woman, in another place, ministry leader, is giving the clear message to their family and to the church community, all their Christian friends, and to the world. You can have Jesus, and you
and you can have the world too. You can, you can be with God and then be with the devil too. So long as you know how to juggle just right, make sure your fascination with the world doesn't keep you from church on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. So long as you can juggle, you're a functional Christian like a functional alcoholic. We have to know there's a separation between God and the devil, the light and the darkness, heaven and hell, spiritually, we call it a little, there's a separation. We have to be able to naturally, but supernaturally, bring that out to the world. The danger of not doing that, mixing these things, is this. The person who has seen that posting, even that quote-unquote testimony, and said, well, we're so thankful that your boy has come out of that. We have. And you know what? We are just thrilled that you have such nice things to say. His self-esteem has suffered a whole lot. So we don't want to hurt him and bombard him and batter him with all this spiritual truth. But we want to just encourage him and say, great job, you're a winner. Even though he's just bothered to save his story. You see, it's not enough to go and have one out of 50 symptomatic things dealt with. You have to get to the root of the disease. That's the only way somebody's going to be healed, delivered. Too often people are trying to give their symptoms some medicine. I'm going to give you a good word and give you some encouragement. Encourage them all the way to hell. That blood will be on our hands. So, if I see a poster, uh, someone congratulating uh, their son or brother for making it through some program to get rid of some egregious sin. Whereas I should pray and love on them. Loving on them never obviates or annuls or disannuls giving the whole truth. Because the truth will heal. The truth will deal with the disease of the roots. If I, as a believer, who is also not risen to Christ, or don't know it, if I don't have Colossians 3, 3, 1, up in my life, when I see that ministry leader who I like, who I love, I like, and I see the posting, I'll be drawn by the filter of that ministry leader to also clap and thank God for this deliverance, quote unquote. And when my eyes see the t-shirt of that boy, that it has everything to do with the devil, he's a bondage too. And then on his Facebook page or whatever he uses, whole litany, whole list of demonic things, blood and gore, monster movies and destruction, fully absorbed in the demonic thing. Because of the filter of this so-called minister, my respect for this minister, my fear of saying something against him or hurting his feelings or the Christian community, the moment I do not cry to God and say, my God, that boy is in bondage to the devil, and how can this minister friend of mine, the one who I admire, ever post it as a trophy? When the chains are on his neck? You know what happened to me if I don't have that burden cry to God and sometimes take measures to tell that minister? I will be drawn into that same confusion myself, that's the danger. And the devil used me and he used you by lowering that standard to help other people and see them relapse. When we can give them the truth, 
and told them, thank God you're out of this. You're not safe. You need to surrender to Jesus Christ. Let me tell you the truth. God so loved you that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him, which means obey Him, should not perish but have eternal life. If you don't turn your life around where Christ is your Master, He's your Lord, you are going to hell no matter how many times you come out of the addiction. What use is it? It's like someone calling the fire department when their barn is on fire and they come and they save the animals or whatever they have to the chicken and save the whole field and then have their house burn down the next day with the people. That's a very faint analogy. But that's how dangerous it is to make a thing to do about someone who has just been pulled out of the fire of some addiction or some problem and boost them up artificially against God's will to make them more bold to go and do it again and even worse. We've got to stand up and say if I love this person, even a ministry leader, first of all, I'm going to pray to God, my God, the devil is reigning over here. God, I thank you for giving me that permission. I sure don't want to lose that. Go with God. Hundreds of others who are applauding and putting likes and half signs and smiley faces and all this stuff. While people are on the way to hell, I don't want to be a part of that. Lord, let the message that people read through me in my life and my conversation, everything I'm about, let it be a clear message of holiness unto the Lord. No adoption. Because Hebrews 12 14 says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one. That's the message of the gospel. God will make you holy. Totally different than the way you used to be. With a no strings attached, period. Because Christ came to cut them once and for all. What do you believe do? By feeling sorry, having given sympathy, reattaching strings that got cut. How guilty will be out of their judgment? Be careful what you approve of. First of all, what you do with your body, your family, your house, your time, your money. It all belongs to God. Make sure it's concentrated to God. Secondly, be careful what you relay, what message. When the devil comes to a different way to see if he can fool you and pull you to the same nonsense. Do what? Praise God. Even praise God. We got to meet so-and-so. This huge personality of people died to me. And I even got his autograph. There are believers who go around parading the autographs of people who are trashing their bodies, destroying lives with their so-called art. They say, praise God, I got my trophy, I got my signature, I got my autograph from them. I'm going to pray this. It's utterly revolting and disgusting. More than that, it's very grieving to the heart of God to see that. People applauding. It's like this. It's like being wrong. On the one hand, the Colosseum. Christian after Christian being thrown to the lines and torn by lepers is bad. That's what happened. You know why? Because there were holy people 
This world couldn't happen anymore. And they were called in their season at that time, this martyrdom at the establishment of the church. It's like seeing Christians mauled to death. Why? Because I believe in Jesus, I love Jesus. I refuse to bow down to the God of Caesar. And other Christians watching them saying, my, 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 what a shame, what a pity. Even cry and have a handkerchief, go to the funeral and say, I'm going to miss him. Heaven has gained somebody beautiful. And I've lost him. Only God can help me. They're too good for this world. You know what? Secretly support Stephen. Have this Roman island and say, Do you know I got the autograph of this person that's the high priest of Mars? Roman God? I got somebody who leads the whole worship in the whole Grecian community. They're on CNN and Fox News and whatever. They're all over the place. I got to sit next to them during the worship of Aphrodite. I got the autograph. It's worth five million dollars. There are Christians who are enamored and drawn into and sucked into Satan's worship. Like this. You need to know if you're a Christian, you should be utterly disgusted with Hollywood. Utterly disgusted with Hollywood. Because the two don't mix. Heaven and Hollywood don't mix unless God sends heaven into Hollywood to change it. Amen? But if you have any affinity for anything that is of Hollywood or Bollywood or whatever the heck outside of the world, whatever image, you need to know you are spiritually sick. Run to Christ and say, Lord, I want to be true. Let me show you step two or stage two. Level two. A person who's been convicted by the Holy Spirit. I should not be admiring this male actor only, no matter how many Oscars he's gotten, how many people adore him. And even if he's done so many philanthropic activities for poor people, because of what he represents, the way he's trashed his body, ruined lives, and produced things that ruin families, and tries to win the affection of wives and housewives through his actions. Have nothing to do with it. Same thing with any kind of model or actress. No matter what, if you should meet them, you need to know. They are in a pit, sinking harbor. No matter what kind of perfume they wear, how expensive their clothing, what car they drive, it's not, what kind of red carpet reception they get, they are filthy. Why? Because they're in bondage. Are they valuable to God? Absolutely. Never mix the two. Never confuse them. Because they're valuable, and because of real love, their first opportunity won't be, can I get an autograph? I can't wait to take a picture of you with me. Say, actually, I want to tell you, Jesus Christ came into the world and saved sinners. And He came for you as well as for me. If you don't receive Him, life is like a vapor and a road is like that. You'll either be in heaven or hell. God loves you, so He sent me to tell you that. Regardless of who's around, what the reaction may be. That's when your real 
passion or lack of passion for Jesus will be seen. It'll go far more than, you know what, I have this evangelistic feelings and I just got into the track. There's some people, I remember a man that was in a building that we grew up in when I was a boy. He'll continually talk about Jesus and have tracks. But it was a very uh, confusing kind of representation because he was legalistic. He belonged to the Seventh-day Adventist and everything's about, you can't worship on Sunday and yet get the tracks on. The message was good in the tracks. But he was doing it more of a kind of, I've got to do this. Like other Christian folks. This is something I have to do. And if I don't do it, I feel bad. Passion is not that. Passion is I love Jesus Christ. And I love humanity. And I want to see them go for what? Not from Hollywood Boulevard to a few blocks away. From darkness to light. Hallelujah. Darkness to light. When they shine for Jesus to be shown. We need to know we're in an age where people are spiritually sick. Much of the church, the standard is so low that they love to embrace Rome and Greece, everything in the world, and just kind of on a Christian lingo on top of How many people love Hollywood? They would die. These are Christians. If they heard that so-and-so coming to Fort Jervis, I guarantee you, this church will be full of employment for the Christians. Who's here today? This actor that just had a blockbuster release, and he's so handsome, and he's so charming, and people are fainting at his feet, and he's within 30 miles of where I live, and he has a connection with the church. He's going to come around here for some reason. Isn't that sick? To see all of these Christian women with their autographed tablets and whatever, cameras all set. They're going to worship God, yes. But they're really worshiping the Hollywood actor. That's the reason they think. Same thing with the men. If it's some female goddess, some demon possessed woman that is just wasting her body on the screen and in person. But she's wrapped up in a very pretty package. Seductress. God said to the church of Thyatira Revelation, I will kill all of you with her and the sick man if you don't stop. This is Jesus speaking. We need to see it as totally foreign. This joke that God sees as an abomination. And if any big star, quote unquote, should come within the vicinity of the church, we need to treat them just like we would treat a homeless person or a drug abuser. They need Christ. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This is a very good subject we can do. How enamored am I with the things of the world and the scenario that we brought up? Where would I be? Truthfully, where would I be? Would I love the world and love the things of the world? Would I say, Lord, this disgusting. But, my God, you came for disgusting people, such as I was. And now you clean me up. Oh, thank you, God. My heart's desire is this big shot in the eyes of the world should also be cleaned up from that filth. That's how you know you really love God in the gospel. Same thing with family. 
Never mind the diploma that I graduated. Went to some high school, kindergarten, or from graduate school. Never mind when the soul is in bondage to the devil of sin and on the way to hell. She could go out to function? Absolutely. It's a child. It's your other sister. You should be thankful to God who made it. Pray, God, use it for your glory. You see the incorporation of a spiritually minded person? And then also, refuse to take pictures with that loved one if they're dressed in an immoral way. Because now you'll be guilty by association. You can talk to them, love on them, but remember, your God image before this world is paramount and first. Even if people should be offended, even if a child should come to you and raise the fist and with tears, dump the floor and tantrum it. I thought you loved me. How could you not come to the prom? How could you not show that you're proud of me for once in my life? I've lost weight and I can fit into this gown. Everybody loves me but you. You're the one I was looking for in that crowd of admirers. The very one who bore me. The very one who raised me. Now you really put the dagger in my heart. That's exactly how the devil will play it. But would you rather really put a dagger in that carnal, evil spirit that's making them act and talk that way while they're serving God? Or I should say, uh, pretending to serve good things? Or would you rather put a dagger in God's heart? That's not God feels. He'll say, you just publicly disowned me. It's like some husband and wife, right? They're walking together on the street. They hold hands. Especially when people come around, arm around the shoulder, give it a kiss, hug. And then many pictures. Click, 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 click. 50,000 pictures. With my lover having an ice cream cone. We were at this restaurant right now. But you know what? Go inside. Don't come near me. What a lie. Shouldn't we feel ugly about that? And say, I'm a hypocrite? That's how God says. I love Jesus. He's my hero. He's my number one. Uh, if it wasn't for Jesus, I would have graduated. I'll give him his props. And then, when it comes to the devil saying, I want you to take that picture. Look at the people around you. You're being oddball. Look at him. He's a Christian. He took a picture. Look at that minister, that pastor. He took a picture with the person. You better do it too. That's when you stab God. When you say, okay, devil, I'll do it too. Even though, the morality is right through the picture. From the way the person dresses, the manners of it. We have people whose loyalties are clearly divided. We need to know what kind of salvation we receive. We need to know that it's pure, it's holy. And know that you cannot be lukewarm. You need to be on one side or the other. But you know how show true love? It's like uh, a mother with a child. Take the child to the grocery store. 
And the child is just carrying on, red in the face, tears flowing, screaming at the top of the little mountain. On the ground, rolling back and forth. I want my cocoa pops now! Screaming, cocoa pops, cocoa pops, cocoa pops. Tricks are for kids, mom, don't you know that? You're depriving me. But the mother says, I don't want to destroy your body, your immune system. There are healthier alternatives. You may carry on and make me look bad, but my heart is really passionate about your welfare. I'd rather give you what is good for you and be at the front of your temples than do a great disservice to you by catering to your whining and your complaining and your manipulation and see your disease. Not all diseases surface immediately. Some things come out after a period of time. So as a parent, we're actually feeding when we feed the world to the people, the children. By media, association, all this stuff. You're actually encouraging disease, searching and visiting. No wonder parents feel like they're failures. Years later. And the question is, where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? We went to church. We talked about God. We, I'll tell you what, to help you today, right now, right this moment. Where we go wrong is not so much all the time by withholding the Bible of the child, which is the revelation of God, or withholding the opportunities to go to church or Sunday school. But it's a confusion injected into the equation by having a soft cover everything that militates against heaven. When you introduce something like that, as we described, you are in effect tearing down every potency of the Bible and the ministry of the world. Once you make that clear separation, and you have decided to follow Jesus yourself, which means I'll be passionate for the Lord, He's number one, then you know You'll know that you are representing Him fully. And it's not something to be religious, some kind of denominational thing or some revival methodology or theology. This is normal Christianity. You would have hindered others from going down that slippery slope. Because you know what? It takes one secular concert, one attendance at some party to destroy the life, physically and spiritually. How many times have you heard that? One time. One time, shout with drugs. Never again to shoot up with drugs because they're gone. One encounter with immorality. An incurable disease for life. How horrible. But you see how it happens? It's because of these so-called gray areas are indulged by people. Well, I'm not going to let you go with all those immoral tattoos with nothing on to that party. No matter what they say, you're not going but will I let them go, clothed nicely, with a good uh, chaperone or whatever, and just make sure you come back by this night, how foolish to bring down some standards of uh, regulation from this world of thinking. And then seeing the children slaughtered, or even yourself, I just go to the bar because my good friend, you know, he just came out of a very helpful marriage and that's the only place he'll meet me, and uh, he's my friend. 30 years I've known him. 
And he'll just be so hurt because I always go to the bar when he comes to town. He'll go to a drink. But this time you need to tell him, I don't go there anymore. But this is where I go and it really helps me. The bartender is a good friend too. And you don't have to drink. I'm not saying you have to drink. Just be there for me. Didn't Jesus hang out with sinners? It was Jesus, not you. He didn't sin. He went on a search and destroy mission. Not human lives, but the devil's hold on his life. Can you say the same? Can you say if I go somewhere by the leading of the Holy Spirit, it'd be a rare thing to go to those places. When I go in, I'm clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I go and love talking to this good out of you. And in the process, tell everybody about Jesus and say, God loves you. You need your heart changed. And then leave. That's the impact we ought to have. So we need to know who we are. What Jesus purchased with his blood is far more precious than the way Christians treat it. Far more precious. It's a mixture. It's a total mixture of the world and Christianity. What's the product? Satanic religion. That's what Constantine tried to do with Constantine in the fourth century so. He said, well, if you can't eat them, join them. And uh, they actually incorporated Saturn and Mars and different Roman religious practices. I don't And mixed it with Christianity, try to do that. If you can't eat them, join them. The devil still tried that today. Are you able to discern that? That when people see your relatives, all this is Jesus. Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed of it? Do it make, does it make you feel kind of awkward? That means something's wrong with your scripture. You need to learn Jesus. You say, Lord, as a result of hearing this word in Colossians 3, I want nothing to do with immorality in my life personally, nor by association God. People will not. You cannot test this verse in this picture. Even though they're Christian, they're different than the other Christians. How? They get so disgusted by seeing someone, not just pornographic, but dressed elegantly by the world standards, revealing here and there a little bit that should have been revealed. This brother, this sister, no matter how good I look and I feel fit, and others think I'm fit, they're not the ones who send it to me. Because they'll be disgusted, they throw up on the ball. And then blame for it. Why would they throw up? Everybody else is. In fact, when you compare the other clothing that they could have worn, why? This is like heavenly underneath. Covered most of everything. This is exactly how the devil tries to jump in our minds. We need to know what about 100% holiness. And because of love, tell the people you cannot play games with God. Don't try to be worldly. You either live for God or yourself. That's all. Make a choice. This is passion for Jesus. Nothing less. The world will see. You know what? This person is holy. They hate morality. 
They don't like worldly things because they all have to do with evil. The defiant God. But I have to say, they are the most confident, happiest, most peaceful people I've ever seen. They only get angry they come militant when it comes to something that will destroy myself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. It's somebody like that in my life. When all of the Christians are struggling, trying to please the devil, please the world, please people, please man, please God. Consider how you hear the message today. And let this be the filter, what the Holy Spirit is. With every message you hear from every minister, unfortunately, and I must say this, there are people who hear the pure truth. And it'll run about. But you know what? They go back to admiring the ministers and posting things about this one and that one to keep the Christian camaraderie community going. But because their passion for God is still kept in check, you see? It's not all of us. Now, love God, I have no problem. I'll say that to Apostle Paul. If I should desire to please man, I'm no servant of God. I'm not a servant of Christ. I can do all the ministry I want in the world. Have the biggest church and biggest global impact protocol. Have 2022 evangelism workshop of the year. Christian leaders coming as far as China and Australia. Everybody pouring in. Guess who the big shot? Me. Because I love God. Can do all of that. But if I haven't divorced myself from the things of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, if that self-image has not been crucified and mortified and put to death, I don't love God no matter who says what about me and how I congratulate myself. But when I love God, I will be careful what comes into the church. I'll be careful about what message goes out from the church. I'll be careful about how Christ is represented to the world, no matter who from the church goes where. I have a duty, a privilege, and an obligation before God. To make sure that Paul, in me, one, two, three, you look at when he wrote the epistles to Thessalonica, to Timothy, the pastor epistle, and to the churches. The moment he saw someone try to creep in with a worldly mentality, immorality, with uh, strife and trying to be first. He said, if you don't stop, next time I come, I'm going to come with a witness. This is what Paul said. The loving, gentle, gracious Paul who was of such a disposition that he wasn't very close at all. They said he was kind of short, short and further. This rather weak looking man, he says, I love you. He said, my heart just is poured out for all of you Corinthians. Philippians, God knows I love you day and night like a father, like a mother, like a nurse. I'm continually praying for your formation of Christ to you. But if you continue to do this silly business, try to bring the world into God's business, I'm going to come to the world next time. It's not going to be pretty. That's the true son of God. Now what we love you and we're all together and Look at the wonderful work of God going on here and there. Oh, you have a school for, for Christians and kids now? Wonderful. Holiness? Oh, that's automatic. I mean, we're holy, aren't we? Jesus died for us. We don't pay We don't want to introduce things that are divisive. 
People might be, they may get angry. They may get turned away. It may bother them that they can't watch Hollywood anymore and admire Hollywood. And that they're getting their message through their kids in their schools, Christian schools. We may end up with just five kids. How are we ever going to support the building projects? What about the salary for the teachers? That's how you know that the person's passion is about money and self-preservation in the world. Let's completely die to everything that is wicked, worldly, to know. If I'm risen with you, when I got born again, I was ushered up into heaven's churches. I'm seated together with Christ in the heavenly places. My God, passion, all about Jesus, all about Jesus. Jesus, 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 24-7. To the point where in my dreams, I'm dreaming about going to be with Jesus and Him coming to be with me. I would rather be with you than to be with the world. Than to be with the world in the dark. That's lyrics to the song that I get next to it. I would rather be with you than to be with the world. Shall we stand up? Than to be with the world in the dark. Jesus, lover of my soul. Jesus, Jesus, the lover of my soul. How sweet you are. If you're not ready to surrender all to God as you heard in the service, to see that with God, which God sees is disgusting, as utterly disgusting to you, and to embrace what God embraces, embraces. Hold on to Even if a few come along, only a few come to your party, only a few will not be seen with you. So what? the real wheat. Amen? Would you rather have wheat or chaff? Light or darkness? Sheep or goats? Make your choice. Jesus, lover of my soul, how sweet you are to me. Oh God, thank you for opening eyes forever. My God, help us to have spiritual signs to stand up for you, Lord, to follow the path of the Lord Jesus while we walk the world. And the Apostle Paul and everyone like him, not even a hint of immorality, not even a hint, not directly, not indirectly, have nothing to do with this world. Lord, that we would spend time, more time looking in the mirror of your holy word than in the physical mirror of how we appear to the world. Oh my God, my God, hallelujah. Jesus. Jesus. I'd rather be with you than to be with this world. Than to be with the world. Is everything you do, everything you do, every image you publish, 
bringing glory to the living God. Ask yourself, answer to the Lord, if changes need to be made, do it immediately. So God can form Christ to be more perfect. Everything you're about to be, to adore, and admire God, make His name known. Everything you do, everywhere you go, every person you meet, they must see Jesus. Never ever compromise because of self-advantage. This world will be advantage. And hold Christ back. You may have blood on your hands for eternity. I'd rather be with you, Lord, than to be in the world. Where? In the dark. The world is dark, it's gross darkness. Someone said it's the best of times and the worst of times. I'd like to say it's the worst of times. But the final word is it's the best of times. Amen? Hallelujah. We are in the best of times. Hallelujah. Through the pain.
done my duty. Make sure you do your duty before God and do a job for this. And I bring joy in my heart because the Word of God has cut through so many things that people are being slaughtered by. The Christian community and love to other people. Because of so many open doors, many killed by association. Cut it off altogether. Say, Jesus, I want to represent you to the world and let them know clearly. Yes, John 3.16, God so loved the world. He gave everything that we can live if we believe in it, but also Matthew 16.24. Whoever would seek to save that life and preserve that self-image and want to look good would lose the life in the end. But whoever loses the life, every benefit from this world for the sake of Jesus Christ. Whoever takes that way of the cross Denying himself for herself, taking up the cross, following Christ, gaining the life of the end. Hallelujah. To be a martyr, Father Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will stand up there again. As we sing to the Lord with a changed heart, born according to the fear of the living God, knowing that the time is short, yes. Many, 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 many churches will stand before God, before His throne. Many churches, many leaders will stand before God. Well-known leaders and not so well-known leaders. Everyone will be judged by the same standard. Did you do my will or not? Did you preach what I told you or not? Did you adjust your message and your image to have four people? Go to my left hand. You are goats. But the ones who did my will, you are the true sheep. Come to my right hand. You will be covered. Time is short. And history is fast approaching its deadline for the end of time. Don't seek to be popular with anyone. But seek the honor that comes from God. Be true to Him. And you will gain everything and save at least some people, hopefully a lot of people along the way. Hallelujah. Life's standard of sin. Take my life. Let it be consecrated to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise for the passion of God. Yes, Lord. Take my life. Take my life. Take my life. If you would like to come forward, you don't have to. But as a public statement that I need business to God, I want to show more change this Sunday. Hallelujah. More like Jesus. You can come forward and just sing it solemnly to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want to be all about you. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
people of the process. God is saying, do it now. Every power that you have, every ability, live for God. And let there be no confusion. No fellowship with the dying, wicked world. Nothing on the eyes of pride. Nothing with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. Pride of life. Nothing. Be bold to let people know what real, as the Bible says in Ephesians, true holiness looks like. Is having a passion for the Lord. Not a big mouth. Keep on saying Jesus like a parrot everywhere. Love for God is burning being to represent His holiness first and foremost. Everywhere. Anywhere. The passion you show sometimes in church, let that be the passion in private all the time. I believe that God is drawing people. Hallelujah. We're not saying stagnant. Hallelujah. God, my spirit, is giving us the word to move us even further to be like Jesus. Take it while you're still alive before you have regrets for eternity. Take it before you're confined and you lament all the ability that you have to go with his feet and with his hands. Go on for God now. First of all, by having the passion for him, when you get up in the morning to say, My God, I belong to you, you are exclusively today, Lord, every day. Oh Jesus. I love this food, but Lord, I love you more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love the one who blessed me more than the blessing itself. Hallelujah. And Lord, as I enjoy this food, I'm gonna thank you, Lord, because they crucified you when you were hungry. When you were thirsty, oh God, and I get to eat and drink, oh Jesus, let your sacrifice never be made for me. Let me give you glory as you drink. Lord, let me eat and drink what is good for me, not unhealthy. Lord, let me not do it to look good in front of people, but to be good in your sight. The energy that I get, let me use you. Everything I have, Lord, in my house, every talent you give me, Lord, let me show to the world who the real Jesus is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Let's conclude with the song. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And I'm going to pronounce the benediction right now. Let's pray this prayer. Oh my Lord and my God. I thank you that I heard the word of God today. I heard the pure word of God today. And Lord, as you are disgusted with the church of Edison, so you are disgusted with the behavior of many Christians. How they caught the world and they think they're fine. They think they're rich. They think they can see. But he told me to see uh, your wretch is visible and blind and naked. Lord, I don't want to be like that in your sight. I can look a certain way before the world and even my Christian family. But I'm interested in how I look before you, oh my God. I want them to look clothed with your righteousness, Jesus. Oh God, 
As you loved me and you saw you tasted me, you rebuked me. I take it, Lord. I want to be just like you, Lord. I don't want to be among the status quo of a land to see in church. Age in which we live. Now I want to be part of the remnant who really is holy, first and foremost. In whom the Holy Spirit is reigning. And Lord, through whom many of my Christian friends would understand what true consecration looks like, true passion for the living Christ looks like, and true preparation looks like as wise virgins, Lord, prepared to meet you with our oils in our land at the land burning. Oh Father, the word that I've heard to you in heard. Work it in me, God, as I work out my own salvation with fear and with trembling. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you for the joy that we have in being a pure, chaste virgin is found to the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen. Father, I pray that your people would have the passion burning for the Lord to clean house at a deeper level and to be more careful about the things they say and who they associate with that your truth and your God image become shining through in every endeavor for the glory of God I pray this and I thank you for doing it for the continual virgin for powerful army of God in Jesus name I thank you Father even so, come Lord Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I thank you for washing us clean with your holy blood and through the water, the washing of your word. I thank you, Jesus. I pray that everyone will be turned toward wholesome things. Everything that you have, beautiful things, Lord, to show to the world and to associate with that everyone who knows us will know what the real Jesus looks like, what true Christianity is, to be on the way to heaven with us. For this I thank you, praise you. Jesus, my name. Amen. May the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And the genuine, true, holy fellowship, Holy Spirit, rest and abide with you until we see the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.